This Sunday will mark a year since women took to the streets around the world for a march against something or other, no one's sure what. The women all wore pink hats meant to represent their vaginas as a way to remind us that the vagina is the entrance into the womb, which in Greek is called the hystera, which is where we get the word hysterical. So in general, when you see a woman wearing a hat that represents her vagina, it's a good bet she's totally nuts. Witness crazy lady Ashley Judd reading this poem at the march. Be respected. We are here to be nasty. I'm nasty. Like my blood stains on my bed sheets, we don't actually choose if and when to have our periods. Believe me, if we could, some of us would. We don't like throwing away our favorite pairs of underpants. Tell me, why are pads and tampax still taxed? Ooh, that was a brand name. Why are tampons and pads still taxed when Viagra and Rogaine are not is your really more than protecting the sacred messy part of my womanhood is the blood stain on my jeans more embarrassing than the thinning of your hair Yes, and speaking of hysteria, on this day in 1919, Congress ratified the 18th Amendment banning the sale of alcohol. This was known as Prohibition, and it ushered in an era of lawlessness and gangsterism known as the Roaring Twenties. That was also the result of another women's movement, the Temperance Movement, which was led by this woman. Carrie Nation, who used to go into saloons and bust them up with an axe so she didn't need a pink hat to remind us she was hysterical. She just was. Before that, right around this time of year in 1692, a group of girls in Massachusetts began spreading the false accusations that led to the Salem witch trials, which in turn led to the wrongful deaths of some 25 people, two of them children, who died in prison. The incident is one of the most famous instances of what's known as mass hysteria, from the Greek word hystera, meaning uterus, which we're reminded of whenever we see a woman marching with a pink hat. The moral of these stories is that whenever large groups of women gather together and start screaming about anything, everyone who is in any way connected to government should stop doing whatever they're doing and lie low until they go away. Don't have trials, don't pass constitutional amendments, and most importantly, don't start firing people for things they may or may not have done 30 years ago. Unfortunately, it's a little hard to get government to take this advice because a lot of people in government are men, and whenever men get anywhere near someone with a vagina, they tend to behave like this. So basically, due to vaginas, we're all doomed. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the zippity-zing. It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. And speaking of political incorrectness, our comedian Owen Benjamin will be with us later, later on. He made the observation yesterday that the hashtag 
Me Too movement. Hashtag can also be re read as the pound sign, so it could be read as pound me too. <laughs> so he's, he's in trouble already. Uh, you know... <laughs> Tomorrow, uh, today, later today, we are having the conversation. We talked about this. We've been talking about it all week, and we keep saying it's at 5 p.m. Eastern and 2 p.m. Pacific. It's not. We lied. We did this just to confuse you and to make you feel bad. It's that we moved it up to 5.30 uh, p.m. Eastern and 2.30 p.m. Pacific. And we did that so we wouldn't be late because we knew we weren't going to get on on time. It's the fifth episode of the conversation. And who will be on there with Alicia Krauss? I don't know. Oh, it'll be me. It'll be me. Not only will I be answering all your questions with 100% accuracy in such a way that will change your life on occasion for the better, but but it will be something you can cling to during the long, cold, Clavenless weekends up ahead when Another Kingdom is already finished. The conversation will stream live on the Daily Wire Facebook page and the Daily Wire YouTube channel, but, and it'll be free. Anyone can watch it, but only subscribers get to ask the questions, so only subscribers will have their lives changed. To ask questions as a subscriber, log into our website, dailywire.com, to watch the live stream, and then head over to the conversation page, and after that, just start typing into the Daily Wire chat box, and we will pull the live questions as they come in. Subscribe for a lousy 10 bucks a month. You can get your questions answered today at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Pacific. Join the conversation. And while I'm at it, I know there's a lot of stuff to pitch right at the top of the show, but I got to tell you also tomorrow is mailbag day. So if you don't get your question in the conversation, go on the website. If you're a subscriber, uh, press the podcast button, press the Andrew Claven podcast, press the mailbag, put in your question. I will answer it there. And that will also save your life and solve all your problems. And finally... Finally, before we get started uh, attacking women, let's, <laughs> or, just, or just some women, let us talk about Upside, because Upside is, you know, I used to travel a lot in Hollywood, and when you travel in Hollywood, they just send you in the absolute peak way. You know, you go first class, you have always someone to call. If there's a problem, you always have a, a phone number you can call. When you're not doing it for that, when you're doing it for your own private business and maybe you have a small business, Upside fills that role for you. And just to get them to try you out, they're going to give you a Bose SoundLink wireless headphones. Now, these are, these, are, these uh, Bose headphones are what I use when I write. They uh, cancel out all the noise. They're great on planes, obviously, to cancel out all the noise. Here's how you can get them. You go on Upside.com, and now you will get the kind of customer service specialists who look out for you while you're traveling on your business trip just by going on and getting your trip through Upside.com. They have a team that's hard at work 24-7 to make sure your flight, your hotel, your rental car all go off without a hitch. And they're available on demand by chat, phone, email, whenever you need them. Only Upside monitors your business trip around the clock, proactively keeping you posted on everything from the weather in the city you're going to, to changing your flight home so you can adjust your meeting schedule, all of that stuff that you get if you go in a big business, they will do for you. And Upside has great prices for flights, hotels, and rental cars. Now, to get your free pair of Bose SoundLink wireless headphones, just book your first business trip with Upside by going to upside.com slash Andrew. Don't forget the Andrew because it lets them know we sent you and it keeps us in sponsorhood, which keeps us in lights and water. And we probably pay some of our staff on occasion. Why? I don't know. That's upside.com slash Andrew. And you will get Bose SoundLink 
wireless headphones when you book your first trip. Upside.com, you deserve a better business trip. The headphones are available while supplies last, and it must be your first Upside purchase. $600 minimum purchase required. See the site for complete details. Upside.com. Okay, I know that's a lot of stuff to talk about at the beginning, but, you know, I want to talk about this, what's happening in this Me Too movement and this uh, attack on the comedian, what's his name? Uh, Aziz Ansari. Ansari, okay. Uh, now, look, I know that I, I make fun about women, and the reason is that teasing women is my life. This is the project of my life. What I'm, it's, what, it's my life's work. It's what I'm here to do. But the fact is, <clears throat> I feel women are really ill-served and are caught in a double bind. Women, all studies show this. <sighs> what, what studies show, and they say, is that women are more conformist than men. But I don't think that's the right way to put it, actually, in my experience of women. It's not that women are more conformist. It is that they are more sensitive to social pressure, that they are more likely to say, you know, this is what's going on. These are the morals of the society I'm in. I will fulfill that role. And men can go off a little bit on their own. And and I don't mean, by the way, when I say men, I mean men. I don't mean boys. A lot of people say, you know, well, millennials feel this way. Yeah, let them grow up a little bit and let them become men. And then they'll see that sometimes they're going to break away from what everybody says and they're going to go their own way. I mean, I'm a guy who, you know, every day somebody calls me racist. Every day somebody calls me sexist. Somebody calls me a name. I don't care. I am going to say what I think is true and go the way that I go. That's because I'm a guy. Okay, I'm, I'm a man. That is the way men frequently behave. But women tend to want to blend in and be part of the society they're in. So what's the problem? The problem is the only voices that they are likely to hear in the larger society are feminist voices. Why? Because if you're on TV, if you're a woman on TV, what are you not doing? You're not at home. You're not building a home for your family. You're not taking care of your kids. And, you know, when you see a news lady on TV and she's got, and you just saw her pregnant two months ago and now she's back on TV, somebody is being paid to take care of her kids, okay? And because of feminism, feminism has shut down anybody who says, well, wait a minute, you know, if you have a kid, maybe you got to take care of them. Kids need their mothers. They need their mothers. They need fathers too. Too, but in a different way, when, when kids are little, they need mothers. And nobody will say it, right? Because when you say it, especially if it's me, they'll shut you down any way they can. Well, you're a man. You have no right to speak. You're white. You have no right to speak. You're old. You're out of it. You're not the guy. So, so you never hear that voice. You, you never are getting pressure except always, always, always from one side. It's always one side, the feminist side that you are getting. And anybody who speaks against it will be shut down, even if it's a woman. And if it's a woman who says, who says, you know, hey, you know, I'm taking care of my kids. I'm in my home. I'm building a home for my family so that they have a place, a base to work out of. You're not going to hear from her at all. You're not going to hear from her. She's not going to be on TV. She's not going to be writing. She's going to be doing something important instead of what I'm doing right now, right? She's going to be doing shaping actual lives and building actual futures and creating an actual home, which is the central role of, of people in human life. Everything else is just to support that role. So that so you only are hearing this one side. And I'm not here to tell anybody how to live. I am just saying that if, you know, I see these bumper stickers. The bumper sticker says, good girls don't make history. And I think history 
history. History is just one long line of people killing each other. That's what, you know, leftists are always saying, you white people, you came in and you took the land away from the indigenous people. Yeah, you know what we interrupted them doing? We interrupted them taking the land away from each other. That's what history is. History is people taking land away from each other, enslaving the people they capture and killing them, and then building their own society. The only thing about the European-based societies is they really work well. So not only do we get to kill everybody, but then we get an iPhone. That's the, that's the improvement that we get, because they were killing people before we got here, now we kill people. Now we have a, actually have a more peaceful society than we've ever had before. So being part of history is not that big a deal. Being part of being on TV may not be that big a deal. These are things that society is constantly, constantly telling you that you should do. And one of the things that has happened in our society is that the standard of sexual morality since the 60s has changed so drastically that a woman who goes on a date is basically expected, expected to, especially by the third date, to have sex with the guy she's with. And now we start to see all these women coming out in this Me Too movement who maybe feel like, hey, you know what, I, that system really, so to speak, screwed me. That system did not do that well for me. So now we have this thing with this comedian. Now, I have to be honest. I, I The only thing I know about Aziz Ansari is I, I listened to a bit of his book, Modern Romance. I didn't find it that entertaining, so I stopped. But I hear he's very funny, and he's a lefty, and he's some kind of brown-skinned person. So that so so he has all the lefty credentials. In fact, let's let's have a look at him selling feminism on the Letterman Show. Here he is putting out his feminist cred on the on the David Letterman Show. I feel like if you do believe that, if you believe that men and women have equal rights. If someone asks you you're feminist, you have to say yes, because that is how words work. Like, you can't be like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm a doctor that uh, primarily does uh, diseases of the skin. Oh, so you're a dermatologist? Oh, no, that's way too aggressive a word. No, 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 not at all, not at all. <laughs> yeah. But, and this is another test, okay? Um, you're feminist if you go to a Jay-Z and Beyonce concert and you're not like, mm, I feel like Beyonce should get 23% less money than Jay-Z. Uh, also, I don't think Beyonce should have the right to vote. And why is Beyonce singing and dancing? Shouldn't she make Jay a steak? I'm sure he's very <laughs> tired after walking and rapping those two songs. You know, I, 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 I define myself as an anti-feminist. I am anti-feminist. I am an individualist. I believe everybody should do what they want. But that doesn't make, mean your choices are right or that your choices are good for you or that your choices are going to give you a happy life. And that when, you know, when you get older and you've been on TV all these years uh, and your kids are saying, hey, how come you didn't take care of me? Where were you when I was a kid? How come, like, the nanny was taking care of me? Maybe that's not going to be such a great later life. Maybe you're going to find out that you did something meaningless talk on TV when you could have been doing something meaningful like raising children and fashioning their lives and giving them a mother that is going to stick with them forever until the day they die. So anyway, on the an, uh, website, I think it was called babe.com, an anonymous woman, I mean, this is insane, an anonymous woman came out and said she had a bad date with this guy, with this comedian. She, uh, they, she met him at the Emmys. They texted back and forth. They went out on a date. He took her home. He was it sounded to me like he was clumsy and and overly aggressive. There was some oral sex involved. I'm not going to go into the, all the details, but ultimately she, she said, I don't want to do this. He put her in an Uber and sent her home. He sounded very clumsy, uh, like, you know, he thought one thing was going on. She thought another thing was going on. She He has reacted by saying, uh, 
uh, we went out to dinner and afterwards we ended up engaging in sexual activity. This is Ansari said this, which by all indications was completely consensual. And the next day I got a text from her saying that although it may have seemed okay, upon further reflection, she felt uncomfortable. It was true. And so he does, you know, he feels bad about it. He says it was true that everything did seem okay to me. So when I heard that it was not the case for her, I was surprised and concerned. I took her words to heart and responded privately after taking the time to process what she had said. This didn't stop her from coming out anonymously, which is just, I mean, one of the most basic rights is to face your accuser and accusing him of doing all this stuff. So now the left, which sold to women, relentlessly sold this new sexual uh, morality to women, especially feminists. You should be just like men. You have just as much right to sex as men. You have just as right to be unfeeling and have an endless, you know, we shouldn't, you know, because women, because women are more, uh, affected by social constructs. That's why you hear women saying, don't slut shame me. Don't fat shame me. Don't, you know, beauty shame me. Don't, you don't hear men saying that. You know, do I care whether you racist shame me or sexist? No, I mean, I don't care. But that's that's what women are doing. And of course, the thing is, some shame is there for a reason. You feel shame because you treated yourself badly. You feel shame or guilt because you did something wrong. So when you take all those things away, you're just acting in a, a vacuum without any moral uh, instruction whatsoever, and you're going to make mistakes. So now the left is complaining. Here is Ashley Banfield, the CNN uh, crime a reporter, uh, coming out and saying that this woman has destroyed, has set the Me Too movement back. If you're lucky, there's a really good chance that you're not going to experience the toxic work environment that the rest of us have endured. And that is because of the remarkable progress being made against the Harvey Weinsteins and the Kevin Spaceys of the world. The Me Too movement has righted a lot of wrongs, and it has made your career path much smoother. And here's where I'm guessing it's going to be a long career path. You're 23. What a gift. Yet you looked that gift horse in the mouth and chiseled away at that powerful movement with your public accusation. And I'm going to repeat this because it's important. If you were sexually assaulted, go to the cops. If you were sexually harassed, jeopardizing your work, speak up and speak out loud. But by your own descriptions, that is not what happened. You had an unpleasant date and you did not leave. That is on you. Finally, finally, somebody said this. I said this uh, several months ago where I said, you know, if, you, if somebody breaks the law, report it to the police. If they violate the rules of, their, uh, of the place where they work or the club that they belong to, throw them out. If not, slap them and move on. That's on you. And finally, now the left is saying this. But th this is another one of these torpedoes that the left has fired at Donald Trump that has turned around and blown up their own ship. And the reason is Donald Trump, they, they are always accusing people on the right, and especially religious people, of hypocrisy. They don't really know what the word hypocrisy means. They, they think it means um, sinning when you think something is sinful. That's not what hypocrisy means. Hypocrisy means preaching one thing and living in a totally different way. Donald Trump hasn't done this, that, that he was a billionaire who ran beauty pageants and prided himself on sleeping not only with every woman he could get close to, but with other people's wives. I mean, that's so everything we hear about him doesn't doesn't touch him, doesn't affect him. Michelle Goldberg over at Knucklehead Row in the New York Times wrote this piece 
saying, in retrospect, the dynamics of the Clinton-era culture wars seem blissfully simple, pitting a sexually libertarian left against an aggressively prudish right. It is a cosmic irony, a cosmic irony that 20 years later, it is conservatives who finally killed off the last remaining unspoken rules about presidential sexual ethics. So it's Donald Trump's fault that they've gotten caught with a bad system. It's a bad system. And Heather McDonald, one of the great writers, I say this all the time, she's one of the great reporters in the in the country. She's over at City Journal, terrific magazine. She wrote this piece at City Journal about policing sexual ethics. And she was on TV explaining some of the things she was talking about, how the left has brought us to this past where women are exposed. Men and women have different biological drives. Their libidos are different. And we had a set of norms that restrained the male libido, norms of gentlemanliness and courtesy and chivalry. And we had a default for premarital sex for females that was no. And that gave females the power to say yes, but they didn't have to negotiate with the male libido at every instance of, of uh, some drunken coupling. Sexual liberation threw that all out and said men and women should go mano a mano on the sexual battlefield. They're equal in their desires, equal in their responses to casual sex. And it turns out when you set the default at yes for premarital sex, a lot of women have a hard time negotiating a no. And instead of recognizing that we've sort of screwed up the default settings and are working against biology, women are blaming the patriarchy when the opposite is the case. That That's it exactly. They're blaming the patriarchy when the opposite is the case. It is feminism that led them to this pretty past. And feminism that so enwraps them and envelops them that they can't get out of that social order because there's no one saying what I'm saying to you right now. And I'll conclude this in just a second. But first, we've got to talk about the post office because we're here because we're not at the post office. And I love the post office. The post office has been my life as a writer. When I started out, the post office was all you had. It was your link to every magazine, your link to every submission. You waited at the mailbox. You went to the post office with your stories and all this stuff. But in the modern day, what do you want? You want the post office in your computer, just like everything else. And that's what stamps.com is. Stamps.com is the post office in your computer. It brings all the amazing services of the U.S. Postal Service in your computer. Stamps.com is a better way to get postage. You simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage for any letter or package any class of mail and let the mailman pick it up. No leaving the office, no more lugging mail to the post office, no more hassle. Stamps.com saves you time and money and makes it easy. They'll send you a digital scale that automatically calculates the exact postage so you don't overspend. And uh, they'll even, um, you can start your uh, stamps.com account in minutes online with no equipment to lease and no long-term commitments. Here's the thing. Right now, you can enjoy the stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. You go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Claven. And you might say to yourself, well, yeah, but how do you spell it? Well, it's K-L-A-V-A-N. <laughs> Two A's. There are no E's in Claven. That's stamp.com and enter Claven, and you can get everything you need from the post office in your computer. Stamps.com and enter Claven. Let me finish this off, and then we'll get to Owen Benjamin, uh, the comedian, the non-PC comedian. Let me just finish this off by, by talking about the fact that women, because of, because of feminism, women are now in a position where they have to rebel against the, uh, 
against the societal norms. It is it is natural to women to sort of follow those norms. It is time for women individually to create them. You can't wait for the world to fix itself. You have to fix you. You are responsible for fixing you. You want to live a better life, start treating your body like a woman's body. I'm saying this because I'm an old guy. I've got my woman. I'm not looking for anything. I'm not on the run. I'm not on the prowl. I don't want anything from anybody. I want you to live your best life. That's all I want. I, it's all, I've, got no, I've got no skin in the game. That's, that's, what makes, that's what gives me the power to say this. You want to live a better life, start treating your body like a woman's body. The reason there is a price for admission into a woman's body is because the consequences are so high. You get pregnant, you're going to have a choice between having that baby or having an abortion. Either one of those may not work out well. I mean, the baby, look, the baby's going to be a beautiful new person, and that's great. The abortion you're going to live with for the rest of your life. So, you know, that there should be a very, very high price of, of, uh, of admission. That price should be commitment, and it shouldn't be because some guy just happens to be uh, excited that day, has happened to have a couple of drinks, happens to want what he wants. You know, you have to make that decision. You have to set up the, the rules. And if each person does that, if each woman does that, then that will become the social norm. So maybe instead of listening to Megyn Kelly, who has a baby and is back on the air a week later, maybe, maybe you should be listening to God. Maybe you should be listening to your pastor. Maybe you should be listening to the wisdom of the age which has worked for thousands of years. Maybe you should turn off the TV and consult your own heart. All right, we have Owen Benjamin, the comedian, coming up, but we got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Come on over to thedailywire.com. You can listen to the rest, but if only, if only, if only you would subscribe. I, I mean, I, I don't want you waking up tomorrow and saying, if only I had subscribed, I could have been on the conversation at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 uh, Pacific, wherever the heck we are. <laughs> and I could have sent uh, questions into the mailbag. And for a lousy hundred bucks, I could have had a subscription for an entire year. And the amazing leftist tears tumbler that Steven Crowder can only envy from afar, wishing that he had a, a tumbler like this to drink leftist tears out of. We got Owen Benjamin coming up. Stay with us. All right. Owen Benjamin is a stand-up comedian, an actor, a podcast host, a pianist. He is never afraid to share his non-PC perspective, which is quite hilarious uh, and also just incredibly refreshing. His podcast is called Why Didn't They Laugh? And you can find that on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can also find episodes on his YouTube channel just titled Owen Benjamin, along with a bunch of different content. The important thing is you can find him on Twitter at Owen Benjamin. But if you want to get tickets to his tour, uh, to his comedy tours, go on www. I've got, I got to say this carefully. It's huge pianist.com <laughs> pianist i think i should say huge pianist.com owen it's good to have you here how you doing oh thanks for having me man i'm a big fan oh thanks thanks very much well i i gotta say you're i've been following your story and it really is amazing the level of pressure to conform and to shut up that you are under i mean you've been banned from comedy clubs is is, is that fair to yeah, say yeah. Yeah, I was uh, because of my stance on trans children, which is that it's uh, child abuse. Yeah, uh, I, I got I wasn't allowed to do a gig at UConn, and then I I, I lost my agent. I was at CAA, and uh, wow. they dropped me because because of that. And um, I, I know that you probably experienced some of this stuff as a writer as well, where it's like you can't like I can be clean. I don't have to swear out of respect for certain audiences, but I can't change my thoughts. Right. 
And I have to think clearly. And if they tell me I have to lie about fundamental things that I don't believe, I can't be funny. So I had to, I had to face this struggle. And, and fortunately, I came out on the other side with, uh, with a, it's, it's really fun being on the other side and just being able to say whatever you want. And, my, and people have been so supportive and I'm, I'm having a blast with it. I mean, it really is a, a quandary for people like us because, I mean, I've lost publishing contracts. I've lost uh, film deals. I, I, I calculate I, I calculate that my opinions have cost me in the millions of dollars. Oh, I, yeah. There's really no, no question about it. But our words are all we've got. I mean, the things that our perspective is all we have to sell. And if we're not telling the truth about it, what are we? I mean, we're, we're basically worthless. Exactly. It's just <clears throat> taking out the fundamental engine of what makes us valuable in the first place. You know, and the craziest thing, the thing that gave me the, the creeps about the Hollywood world is uh, they would be like, oh, you're you're terrible. Like what you say is, is really bad. And I'd look at them in the eye. I'm talking famous people that are still my friends, but secretly, apparently now, uh, <laughs> where, where I'd be like, do you think a five year old's trans and do you think they should put, be put on hormone blockers? Like, yes or no. Do you think that? And they're like, no, no. I'm like. So what exactly did I say that you have a problem with? And, and, and then I realized that when you're going after power acquisition and not ethics and morality or the good joke or, or just, you know, your purpose in life, you have to basically sign a Faustian deal where you, you just slide anywhere they want you to go. And I'm like, uh, comedy can't exist that way. And now as, um, as a greedy capitalist, I see that there's a massive underserved market I did a tweet where uh, it was all the late night hosts. It got like 20,000 retweets. I think uh, Shapiro retweeted, a couple of guys retweeted it that you guys work with. And it just had all the late night hosts. And I said, every one of them endorsed the same candidate. They all have the same views. Ladies and gentlemen, comedy. And when you <laughs> see that it's become propaganda, uh, just anybody that just won't do that, just won't be leftist. There's just so many hungry people just looking to laugh. You know, with like family-oriented comedy, comedy about, be, you know, it's a great time to be married with this Me Too. <laughs> I mean, there's never been a better time to That's just true. be married with children and just, you know. And uh, I almost feel like being a, a family guy and being Christian and being like, you know, hardworking is the new punk, like punk. Like people are like, <laughs> how dare you? You're crazy, man. I can't believe you think that, you know, there's good and bad in the world. It, it is really true that we are the, I mean, the, the fact that at my age, I'm part of the counterculture is one of the great ironies of my life. I mean, this is when I wanted to look like a banker and have a three-piece suit and, you know, smoke a pipe and everything like this. And instead, I, I am the hippie of the modern world. It's, a, it's an incredible uh, irony. I went from uh, I went from hacky to rebel in a year <laughs> with, the, with the same jokes, you know, because I've always and, and it's like they keep talking about toxic masculinity. I think there's a toxic femininity happening because 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 comedy is usually a few years ahead of the curve because we're going for what makes people laugh and react. We can't do the the agenda stuff. And maybe eight years ago, I did a bit on uh, how women are socialist and men are capitalist. And you can see it in our groups. Where you know, um, women protect the weak. Like if one girl's sad, I'll just I'll just do that very quickly. Sure. I won't do the whole thing. But uh, if one girl's sad, they're like, Tina's sad, lick her tears, we're out of here. <laughs> and then if one guy is sad, they're like, dude, get away from us, Kevin, you're a bummer. But then the opposite is true. But the opposite is true where it's like, he's the funniest. Put him on stage. He's the fastest. Make him captain. And women are like, she's the prettiest. Tell everybody she has herpes. You know? <laughs> 
and, and now this, this, it's true, this whole safe space PC thing is motivated by this overindulgence of that. And I think a lot of it comes from women hit a certain age without children, so they try to baby the entire world. And because these instincts are good when you have a one-year-old. Like my wife yeah. is, is, is phenomenal with that. It's like, every, it's about safety. You know, this kid, everything he does is, is great and just keep him away from the electric outlets and safety, <laughs> safety, safety. And that's awesome with a child. It's not awesome when you're, you know, Chelsea Handler with a Twitter account. It's like, stop babying me. I'm a grown up with my own house. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. And so that's, and, and, and now I, I would do that. And, you know, CAA loves it and all these movie stars love it. And I'm hosting all these galas and all this stuff. And the same jokes, you know, Patton Oswalt's retweeting me. And then three years later, I'm now enemy of the enemy of the state with the same jokes. And what I'm did, like, oh, you guys have no consistency. What's what, about power with you guys? What did CAA say to you? I, I have to know this. Like, what did they say when they uh, got rid of you? Uh, just that I'm being, I, I'm acting crazy on Twitter. It's because I, I said a name of a man. And see, it's almost like uh, like Genesis, where if you name something, it becomes real. <laughs> you know, where uh, we're, uh, all these people just keep being like, oh, we have to fight for children. We have to fight for women. It's like, who's raping? Say a name. You know, and I, there's this one guy, this guy, uh, Jesse Thorne, and I read this article about him. He has a six-year-old boy that he's saying is a girl, and uh, he's calling uh, the boy Grace. And uh, he's a big NPR host, and he's in all the right circles. And on Twitter, I'm like, are you planning on giving this kid hormone blockers? And he was like, the doctors are experts, and they think, you know, whatever's right for Grace. And I'm like, you're a monster. Yeah. I'm like, this is wrong. This is child abuse. And then I'm getting swarmed by blue check marks, not even like trolls, like people, like best-selling authors are coming at me. Yeah. And I just wouldn't back down because I fortunately have a strong uh, family I like my family's awesome. And I, my brother's uh, an arborist and I can just do tree work. You know, I could make, I, I could make 50 grand in a week. And then the next week be making $20 an hour and, and not much changes in my life. And I was willing to do that full shift. Like I still do tree work with them all the time. And, and they couldn't dangle that carrot in front of me. Cause I'm like, man, when you get rich, you have the same nightmare. It's just on sheets with a higher thread count. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, Julius Caesar took over the whole world. He got a salad. Ha! Because <laughs> money's awesome. I'm not saying money's bad. It just amplifies your, your purpose. You know, if you're rich and a good person, you can take your family to France. That's right. But yeah. if not, just self, you just self-destruct. So, and my wife is so awesome. And, um, and she's a stay-at-home mom, but master's in engineering, saw uh, our son and really connected and wanted to stay home. Just like my mom was a professor, quit to raise us. And that's probably why I understand nuance and micro expressions in people's faces. And I don't have weight on set autism like a lot of these millennial kids. And, uh, and so that's what made me, you know, I, I, I was still calling myself a liberal. And all my conservative friends are like, it's weird, buddy. But every single thing you say is conservative. Why are you calling yourself a liberal? I'm I know. Like, I know. I see this too. Yeah, because yeah, that's the right answer, right? Isn't Bill Knight <laughs> liberal other good people? Like, I'd literally be like, oh, I'm a liberal, but, you know, I'm, I'm not into abortion and I'm, uh, I, I don't like big government. You know, and it just I would list, like, everything I believe. People are like, oh, no, you're not at all a liberal. And I'm like, really? <laughs> 
and, it, and it, just the Overton window just flew off a cliff, you know. And <laughs> when you see the left now, I mean, they're self, they're imploding, like with this uh, Twitter, this big project Veritas, and now they don't have a stance. They're just power acquisition monsters, you know. Right. And uh, and now they're like, oh, it's a private company. They get to do what they want, you know. And I'm like, remember that when a gay guy wants a cake. And I think that's the big difference is the, the, the left will acquire power and the right kind of has to stick with their guns, even in bad times. Well, you but know, that in the long run, that always wins. Like Ben Shapiro is now a feminist and he always was, you know, but you just don't see it until things get this maddening where it's like, treat women right. You're a feminist. It's like, get married. Have kids know that they're different and deserve respect. Don't just sleep with strangers. You know, like if you become one of these like reckless aborting feminists, you just end up sad with a silly hat. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I always hear from leftists, well, you know, right wingers just aren't funny. And I always say right wingers aren't funny because leftists have no sense of humor. I mean, that's the, you know, the minute you start laughing at them, they they don't think it's funny. But what I want to know is, how did you, now you get blacklisted, you get sent away by CAA. And people ask me this question all the time. So I want to ask you, how did you get through? How did you move to the next phase? What was what was the plan? Well, well, two things. First, real quick, when people say people on the right aren't funny, I don't think people realize how many massive uh, movie stars and TV creators and uh, comedians are actually not on the left, but they don't say it because uh-huh. they don't want to jeopardize a billion dollars. Like, I'm friends with some guys... You know, it's 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 which is sad in a sense because I have I have um, a friend worth I don't know three hundred million dollars, <laughs> and I'm more free than him. Yeah. Because I get to just be like, ah, oh, no, they're those feminist those fe- the blue haired feminist is psychotic, and he's like, man, I wish I could say that. And I'm like, <laughs> you have all the money. Like I'm all right. So anyway, um, so how did I get through it? Well, I got to give props to Joe Rogan and Dave Rubin because. You know, I'm, I've done Fallon, I've done Leno, I've done um, all these shows. And when, when you get blacklisted, they take away all your ability of um, speaking to the public in any big forum. So right. one thing that happens is the Streisand effect. You know, my YouTube went from 3,000 to 70,000 in two, two months, hmm. where it's just like, and people respected that I stood up for something. And so people came to me, and then Joe Rogan had me on twice in um in two months and then Dave Rubin had me on and Steven Crowder I became very close with and we uh did a lot of sketches together and you know uh Dave Smith who has a libertarian podcast you know Stefan Mahon who had me on like all these people that that um that I they just were like tell your story and I'm like thank you very much and I just kind of reshaped my career and uh I thought I was going to lose everything but thankfully for Patreon and super chats on YouTube and just these little things that um, I'm now self-producing uh, another special that I'm shooting in my hometown, and it's never been better. Yeah. I mean, and my wife tells me how much happier I seem, and um, she has pride in what I did, you know. And uh, it's just a it's just a good time to be a comedian. It's it's an because amazing being a comedian thing. is art. Yeah, it's art. It it is art, and it's not propaganda. Right. And it's not about getting. You know, I said uh, something on Twitter that that some people shared where I was like. Um, you know the difference between tr- propaganda and comedy is comedy makes people laugh, propaganda makes people clap. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. right? You just laugh because it's funny. Stephen yeah. Colbert says something and people clap, just like a Stalinist, you know, hall yeah. where they're just scared to be the first person to stop clapping. And 
And, and, you know, the marketplace of ideas is just like the marketplace of everything. And, and they will fail. And they will fail with no spirit left. And it's just like the Gulag Archipelago of jokes. I don't think the states... I don't think the stakes are as high as Solzhenitsyn's time, but it's a similar type of soul-crushing march to your own demise. You know, their eyes don't shine like they used to. Yeah, there's no, you know, there's I, no question about this. You know, I mean, our, our old friend uh, Uncle Jesus said the truth will make you free, and he knew a thing or two. And obviously, I can see, I can see looking at you that it's a, it's a, uh, it's a liberating experience, and I know it for a fact. Um, it's unreal. Yeah, yeah and, and yeah. I was raised Christian, and I was agnostic for a while, and. As my son was being born, and um, I just prayed very hard, and I couldn't go back from that experience. Right. And so that's what got me back into Christianity, because you know you pray in in turbulence, you know, and yep. then you kind of forget. <laughs> but when your when your son's on being born and his heart stops, and you pray to God <laughs> like you beg God, there's really once the plane lands, there's really no going back from that. And so it's been a, that's been a wonderful experience. It's a beautiful thing. Um, hey, I, I got to go, Owen, but it's really nice talking to you. And you, you can get tickets for your tours at www.hugepianist.com. Is that is that right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm six seven, and I play the piano. I'm trying. I'm trying to be very accurate. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, come back again. I'd like to talk to you again. Really good talking to you. I'd love to. Big fan. Thank, later, man. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's he's funnier sitting down than than every guy on late night, you know, lecturing us, Jimmy Kimmel crying and all this stuff. I have to I have to tell this one joke. Did I have I told the parking spot joke? I haven't heard it. That a guy is a guy is going to his first um, his first job interview, and he's going around the block and he can't find a parking space, and he says. God, please, I need this job so much. Please, please give me a parking space. If you'll give me a parking space, I will I will tithe myself. I'll give 10% of everything I make to the church. I, I'll, I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll be so loyal. Please just give me a parking space. And a car right in front of him pulls out of a parking space, leaving him in an open spot. And he says, oh, never mind, God, there's one. <laughs> That's reminded me. So so Owen, when he realized, when he pray, prayed, he had to, be, uh, had to have integrity and stick with it. All right, let us have uh, sexual follies. So I have to find my, uh, oh, I, this is, this is, I just love this story. I just love this story. Some, you know, we were talking about the women's march. We started talking about the women's march. And now some of the women are saying you can't wear the vagina hats because some women are men and don't have vaginas. And this is, this is, of course, this incredibly crazy. I mean, look, if you're a woman who thinks you're a man, that's a very painful situation. You're a man who thinks he's, he's a woman. That's a very painful situation. But it doesn't make you a woman. It doesn't make you a man. You're not. You're not. And even, I'm sorry, but even if you have an operation, God bless you. Do whatever you want. You know, live your, your best life. It's fine with me. But you are a woman when you grow up as a girl and you become a woman and you go through that experience. That's an experience. That is a lived experience that you have. It doesn't happen in your mind. It happens in your body and your mind and your soul. And so so now they are, there are actually people who are claiming that if a man will not date a man who's, who says he's a woman, that he is... Uh, what do they call it? Transphobic. Oh. They always have a good name for stuff. And this, there was this BBC uh, reality show called Celebrity Big Brother. And one of the uh, people on it uh, was talking to a former singer named Ginuwine, 
uh, and Ginuwine turned down a kiss from fellow contestant India Willoughby, a TV journalist who had transitioned from male to female. Well, first of all, no, he didn't. He didn't. He's still a male. He may have had any operation in the world, and we can call him, find some name for that. But it, it is it is kind of comical. It is kind of comical to me that two years ago, five years ago, we were arguing about whether homosexuality was moral. And people like me were saying, listen, it doesn't hurt anybody. Live the life you're going to live. If that's the way you have sex, that's fine. And now we're being told that heterosexuality is essentially a form of bigotry. Heterosexuality, being attracted to the person you're attracted to, who happens to be women, is uh, is somehow an act of bigotry. The big thing about transgenderism is that it is a completely unimportant issue. It's an issue that was brought forward by a left that seeks to find ways to curtail what you can think and what you can say. That's all it's about. It's all it's about. We do the, As a nation, we do not need to address the fact that some people are confused about their gender. As a nation, we can ignore it completely. Let me tell you something. You go down to City Hall in LA, there's a tent uh, town of homeless people, people sleeping out in the street. When I was in New York and it was 15 below zero, I mean, it was freezing cold. There were guys out in the street with their dogs, veterans wrapped up in pillows with little signs saying, I'm a vet, here's my dog, give me some money. That's a problem. That's a problem that we're all going to have to address. We're all, you know, left and right, we're all going to have to figure out a way to get people off the street. The fact that some people don't know what bathroom to use and are confused about their gender, it just is not important. It is not an important issue. But it's all about it is all about constructing this world of silence, this cone of silence, so that only the feminist perspective can come out. Only that social pressure can be brought to bear. And it's women especially who suffer from this because men will break away. Guys like Owen Benjamin will break away. But women are wrapped in this cone of social norms that is created by uh, a massive, massive corporate machine. Uh, that includes the networks, that includes the late night comedy shows, that silent Twitter, Google, that silence any voice that rises up and speaks against them. They are out there doing this to get you, and especially women. They are especially after women. The conversation is coming up at 2.30 California time, 5.30 Eastern time. I will be with Alicia Krauss. Subscribe while you can and send the questions in. And if you don't get them into the conversation, send them into the mailbag, and I will try and answer them tomorrow on the mailbag portion of the show. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. We'll see you in a couple of hours. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. And our animations are by Cynthia Angulo and Jacob Jackson. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire forward publishing production. Copyright forward publishing 2018.